Amen. The Lord is good. It's good to see you all here this morning. How many are ready to dive into the Word of God? All right. Well, let's, let's just pray right now. And Father, I humble myself before you, and I thank you for your Word going forth. I thank you for every person that is here. And Lord, I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of your Holy Spirit, which is here, I believe, you will speak to us. You will speak through me. Give to each person what they need to hear today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, I hope you're not getting bored of this series. I'm not. I keep uh, learning things as I dig deep, and, and whenever I learn something or I uh, feel like the Holy Spirit is lighting upon that, I want to share that with you. You know how sometimes there's some people, sadly, they find out something and they kind of hold their cards close to them. How many know what I mean? And I don't like that. I like to just, when I find out something, it's like, I want someone to know. I want it to be a blessing. I want people to be blessed in their life. Can you say amen? So we're actually in our 10th week in our series, 10 weeks of this, but the Lord is good. How many know in eternity, we're never going to exhaust God in his word, in eternity? And we, the Bible says in Corinthians, we see through a vessel darkly, and uh, we don't see the whole picture, but what we do see is amazing. It's fascinating, and so we love digging into the Word of God. So we are been talking about uh, the parable of the sower, the first part of it, and, and then we kind of just did a little pause as we ended before we get into the certain types of grounds and soil about how the enemy can come in and uh, build strongholds in our life, strongholds in our life. And if you think about the parable, it talks about how Satan comes in. We've talked about that, and he steals the Word from our life. So right now, even now, the enemy is working or trying to work at, we took authority over him, but trying to work at distracting us and making us think of other things. And how many of you know he works through our minds, right? right? And so, so today I want to talk to you about casting down imaginations and the importance of getting, taking charge of your mind. How many know what goes on in your mind affects your life? Did you hear that? Greatly affects your life. You manifest out in the natural realm what's taking place in your mind. And when you hear stories of people assaulting and all these crazy things going on, the violence in, in our nation, people have been dwelling on things that are ungodly. And their minds have been taken over by evil spirits. And let me tell you something, the devil is real. He is a defeated foe, but he knows he can only work through those he can influence in their life through their minds. I, you know, it's not really complicated. It really isn't. And that's how the enemy, that's his mode of operation. And so, so we're still, I want to just touch on before we get into the, the four types of soil. And uh, we said this before, that at 25% of the four types of soil, uh, Satan is involved in that. We know he affects the rest of the soil, but 25%, we see the, the enemy comes in and he steals. But 50% of it has to do with culture. In other words, the mindset of people. Do you know, culture is extremely powerful. Culture, now we know God is all-powerful, right? But a culture can resist God. Do you hear that? A culture's mindset can allow certain things in that they accept and reject other things. Now, that may be good in a positive sense, what we want in our culture. How many know we want to be able to tell our kids and instruct our kids in our school? 
We want to know what's going on, what they're being taught. Can I get an amen? Right? And, and, and you know, so, so there, there are things that cultures will allow and, and permit, and some of those, many of those things can be contrary to what the Word of God has to say. There was a situation where Jesus came into a community, and it was his community. And when he came into that community, the Bible said that he marveled because of their unbelief. And it said this, it said, he can do few miracles, nothing notable. How is that? He's God in the flesh. The culture said, are you not the, the carpenter's son? Uh, wasn't there some kind of, we heard something on social media a while back about, you know, your mom was pregnant. We don't know who the husband, come on, somebody. And, and, and you know, you were born, uh, what? They despised the Lord. They despised Christ. They didn't receive him. And Jesus marveled, and he said it was unbelief. So culture is powerful, which brings us to uh, how culture uh, is, you know, can accept and receive and welcome the things of God or reject that, or reject that. You know, we are very blessed in this community. Uh, really, we are. There is some ferocious advocates for the kingdom of God. <laughs> Let me just say it that way, that, that just, they're just not going to back down. And they're going to stand up and do what's right for the kingdom of God. That's not like that in many communities. And so we have a, something very unique that we need to steward. Do you hear that? Not just in our families, but in our businesses, in our lifestyle, and even in our leisure time. We need to steward that, the kingdom of God. And that is attractive to the Lord. Miracles happen in situations like that. God shows up in communities like that, that welcome and desire and call upon him. Are you listening to me this morning? Amen? So we're going to talk about casting down imagination. 2 Corinthians 10.5, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, casting down. Somebody shout casting. That is something we need to do, imaginations. In every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God, which would be the word of God and the things of God. And then it goes on to say this, and bringing every thought. Somebody shout every thought. Not some thoughts, every thought. Interesting. Into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How many know God cares about our thoughts? Let me say it this way. God cares about your thoughts because your thoughts affect you. And so we started this series talking about with the question about why the Word of God didn't seem to work in our life. And we hear it week in, week out, and then we leave and we seem like, well, we're not changed or the change seems like it's so minuscule. Over so many years, like you feel like a turtle, well, at least if you're moving forward, amen, you're gaining ground. Amen? That's okay. And so we said this, that when our prior, or, excuse me, our priorities and our affections are out of order, how many know our whole life is out of order? And so when our heart is pulled somewhere else constantly, that's your desire, that's your focus, you're not going to have time to focus on or even have the desire to focus on the things of the Lord. And so we use this real elementary uh, illustration about a spirit, soul, and body. And uh, <clears throat> we just challenged and said that, you know, we threw out the, the question that, that, uh, that when we are, are, that our human spirit, soul, and body, uh, when it comes into right relationship with the Lord, our spirit man or woman is the, is the one that gets transformed, is renewed. This is the thing in, the, in our life that is what we call saved, born again renewed, transformed, is our spirit man. Every human being needs this. This is how you get to heaven. 
having your spirit born again. But the problem is, is that the soul is not saved. <laughs> right, come on. You know, I grew up kind of in the teaching, especially in the word of faith, that, that uh, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, that you should never have any more struggles. I mean, these are some of the extreme swings. I don't think, you know, some of the, Kenneth Hagin, some of those taught that. But there is always extreme swings that, you know, you, you, you just, uh, you know, everything is saved, you should be good, and, and that trips you up the moment you fall and stumble. And you mess up. Come on, am I speaking to anybody here? And you're wondering why, like, I love the Lord with all my heart, but something's up with this flesh. <laughs> with this stinking flesh. Well, it's, it's our soul that needs to be renewed. And this Word of God talks about that, that the sukkah, the soul, it has not been saved. And we said this, and just for, for repeating, our unsaved soul, watch this, is the deciding factor of whether or not that Christ-likeness within you is going to be released out of your born-again spirit, born spirit. Don't raise your hand on this, but how many of you know of professing Christians that act like the devil? <laughs> Thank you for those two amens. At times, I'm acting like the devil. You say, how could you, pastor? Just talk to my wife. <laughs> come on, amen. You know, it's just like, what is that? Where did that come from, you know? And I thank God for his forgiveness. And we said this, that our physical body is going to serve whoever's in control. That's why we titled this Spirit Soul Series. Who is going to have the influence in our life? Who is going to have the influence? And we said this, that a spiritual person is one who lives according to and is led by their born-again spirit, man or woman, instead of their body or soul. And that is, I think, the ideal. How many know you could say that that would be God's heart for our life on this earth? It doesn't always happen, right? But we have grace. We have God's forgiveness, and we can draw near. And, and we're going to get into here a little bit, see how far we get, that the, the, the longer uh, we uh, resist the flesh, we take charge of those thoughts, we renew our mind, uh, we have a foothold of faith, a stronghold of grace in our life, and we can overcome. Did you hear that? You can overcome. You can overcome through the power of the Word of God. Can you say amen? And so last week we talked about, we kind of ended with uh, Paul addressing Timothy, and he said, we need to lay hold of eternal life. What that means is what God has already given me in my spirit I can fail to experience it in my mind, in my will, and in my emotions unless I lay hold of it. You know, there are some believers that walk around and just think, you know, it's all the Lord. God's sovereign. He sovereignly saved me. And uh, it's, all, it's all up to him. So if it's going to be, it's up to him. And he does everything. No, we are to lay hold of some spiritual truths for our life. How many know that we need to... We, we need to be an active participant in this walk of faith. It's not just all God. Amen? And so, unless I lay hold, and uh, uh, um, another verse here, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, I think we hit on this last week, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. Somebody shout strongholds. That word stronghold is ochirama in the Greek. It actually means a castle. It means a fortress, a prison. It's a heavily fortified containment. And I like how this one commentator says this. It is used figuratively of a false argument in which a person seeks shelter or a safe place to escape reality. Hmm. Strongholds in our life. 
And here's the thing that's very cunning about the enemy when it comes to uh, uh, strongholds. He uses deception, but he uses, watch this, real events in our life. Real events, factual impressions that happen to us to build a stronghold in your life. That's what he does. It isn't something that's unbelievable to you. It becomes believable because he works on your mind, your will, and your emotions. You know, it's like the person who gets a tattoo somewhere that says, born to lose. And I've seen a few of those. You know, before the tattoo ever hit the body, how many know the tattoo, born to lose, was in the soul? Right? How many with me say amen? And so what happens to us, watch this, the facts, the events, is not really what creates a stronghold. It's what we believe about what happens to us that creates the stronghold. Do you see that? And what's very scary is in, Lord willing, I'll share something personally at the end about my life in, 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 in the area uh, that the enemy has used, is strongholds can produce, I, I wrote this down, involuntary actions. Why don't you think about that? Involuntary actions, you know, uh, it can trigger anxiety in our life. And let me just say this. If you just Google phobias, how many of you ever Google phobias? There's dozens and dozens of phobias. There's fear of open spaces. There's fear of people getting out of their house. Uh, there's fear of snow. You wouldn't be living in Minnesota if you had that one. And uh, it's actually, there's all these phobias. And, and uh, there's a fear of vacuum cleaners. <laughs> You pray you don't have that or marry a wife that has that. <laughs> Amen. Let me move on. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that in. Somebody went, Amen, Pastor. <laughs> I think my <laughs> Anyhow, uh, and so they, there's involuntary actions because of a stronghold. And that's until our brain, our storage bank, our belief center is changed and it becomes renewed by God's truth in the situation. You know, as a little boy, I don't know how, for the life of me, uh, this happened or what was the circumstance, but around between five years old to about seven or eight years old, and there was a lot of dysfunction to the family. It was eight of us. We were like rugrats running around and stay out of the way when dad came home and he was angry and you might catch the belt or the buckle. And so we would hide in things or, you know, whatever. It was just a toxic situation. And there was a lot of fear. Well, uh, I, would, I heard for some reason on the porch one day listening, and there was a helicopter coming. Now, this is just, just how the enemy works. And I don't even know if you've ever listened to a helicopter when it's coming to you. When it passes over, it has a different sound. But when it's coming to you, it's very scary. To me, it was. And so when I would hear a helicopter at five years old, I would just kind of just panic in fear and run to try to hide in a closet somewhere. Come on, am I speaking to anybody? And just and throw a blanket over me all by myself. And my heart was racing. You think, that's ridiculous. It scared me. And the enemy used that. And until it would pass over, I would start to calm down and thinking, why? And it, wasn't, it actually wasn't until I probably was 12 years old, 13 years old, thinking, what's going on? Then I joined the Marine Corps, and I was in helicopters all the time. And it bothered me. I'm like, this is cool. But the enemy used it to produce fear. And what happened? It had an involuntary action in my life. That stronghold is. How many hear what I'm saying? And so, and so we can, what, what I'm trying to say is we can constantly choose to believe something contrary uh, 
to what's in our subconscious, but that it won't, believe, it won't let me say this, it won't bring lasting differences. Zig Ziglar uh, said this quote, and he, he talks a lot, a lot about uh, the mind and the spirit, soul, and body. You cannot consistently perform in a manner that is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. So you're going to try to act a certain way, but really what's inside, who you are when you go home, that's going to manifest out. Come on now. This is why it's so important for our minds to be renewed by the Word of God. This is why, I've given a little plug, but it's so important for you to be in a healthy church that proclaims the Word of God. Amen. That your children's children are also in a church growing up that they preach and teach the Word. It, I don't know how else to stress that. And I know that seems like it's self-serving because I'm a pastor, but you know what? I don't apologize for that. We need that more than ever to have the truth of God's Word. So we can throw up a secular quote, but the truth of the matter is there's always the Word of God coming forth on a Sunday morning. Always have the Word of God in that. Some preachers you listen to is like, when was the last verse he quoted? You know what I mean? Or, or what, what, where's the Word in all this? So, so we need the Word of God in our life because that's what's going to change us. And so just because, uh, you know, our subconscious, let me just say this. Our subconscious is not changed simply by our conscious choice. I, it starts there because strongholds, uh, when we have a stronghold, it's very, watch this, it's very difficult for us to accept truth. You won't accept it. You will reject it. And you will stay where you're at because you have fear, anxiety, rejection, whatever it may be. And someone may be telling you truth, but you will reject that until you're actually free from that. That's why the Word of God, we have to replace that loud, lying voice within us until, you know, it's, we are truly transformed and we have freedom. And friends, this takes time. Some of it can be immediate. So I thank God for his deliverance. When many people are saved, they say, you know what? God delivered me instantaneous of that, and I rejoice. But there's other things we have to walk out, right? We've got to walk that out through the word of God. And so we know that the word of God is the remedy. It is the remedy. And so here's another quote here. We are not controlled by truth. We are controlled by what we believe to be true. That's, I want you to think about that. 80 or 90% of what takes place in our minds, our subconscious, is controlled by our soul. Did you hear that? It's not controlled, it's, by, it's controlled by our soul, what takes place. So we filter everything through the soul, through the soul, and that's the thing where it needs to be renewed. Um, <clears throat> a person's subconscious beliefs can cr clearly trump the reality of a situation. I don't advocate this, but I, I read this about a hypnotist that told uh, uh, his subject to hold out her hand, then announced that he was going to put a hot coal in it. Instead, he placed an ice cube in her hand, and despite reality, she immediately dropped the ice cube and a blister formed on her hand. That shows you how powerful the subconscious is. And so the subconscious mind believed the hypnotist's words. Why is that? Because what's believed in the subconscious doesn't have to be true to control us. It just merely has to be believed. Are you with me this morning? <clears throat> and so, once again, a person's subconscious belief, that trumps the reality of a situation, and what's in our soul can trump what the truth of the Word of God says about our life. What God says about your life. And we could just say, you know what, that's nice. That's, that's nice, Pastor. That's cute. But you reject it. And then you walk out, 
and you're not changed. In months, in years go by, and the same thing keeps plaguing us. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5. We tear down arguments in every presumption, set up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive. Someone say captive. Once again, every thought, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so we know in this context, uh, when you read, strongholds refers to demolishing walls of resistance in people's minds. And it was actually particularly how the rebellious Corinthians were thinking about Paul and his apostleship. But Paul realized, watch this, that he faced a battle, and that battle was a spiritual battle with the people he was trying to reach. Once again, culture, the strength of culture. How many with me this morning? Just a little definition about the flesh. The flesh is a compulsive force, which is in opposition and rebellion against God. That's the truth. That's the truth. Here's the thing. We cannot fight spiritual battles with weapons of the flesh. You've got to use and do it God's way. And when I think about that, uh, engaging in spiritual warfare, we have to obey what God says about a situation that, that will bring freedom in our life. And we have to do it his way. So what do you mean, Pastor Mike? I think of in Joshua 6, I don't have this verse, but how many remember the story about the battle of Jericho in the walls? I spent time in Israel in 1988 and had an opportunity to go to, the, to Jericho, in the old Jericho, and you could actually see where the walls, when they fell down, they fell flat. And the children of Israel walked right in to Jericho. It's amazing. But, you know, the whole thing seems absurd. The whole story is ridiculous in the natural. Someone that reads it that doesn't know the Lord think, what a hokey. This is the stupidest. They, they walked around and they blew trumpet. This is the dumbest thing. But it is a picture for us today about strongholds coming down. Say, so what do you mean, Pastor Mike? Jericho walls are like the walls of resistance in the minds of people that have strongholds that must be torn down. So here's the thing. When God's people in Joshua's day, by faith, some of shout by faith, they had to follow the word of God, obeyed his commands, the walls fell. Right? Now watch this. Now watch this. The battle was the Lord's, amen, but they had to fight it his way. And according to his instructions, God's way, what did they have to do? There were certain trumpets that they blew, uh, but Joshua said this, if you notice, he said, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Watch this. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. That is very specific instructions. So for six days, they had to keep silent. Uh-oh. What did you just say, Pastor Mike? For six days, they had to march. And they had to be obedient and not say anything. You know, some of us are talking and babbling when God's saying, be still and listen. We're going to get on, online. So, you know, I don't feel good. Or we constantly talk. You know, I got this problem. I got that, that problem. It's okay to, to seek counsel, come on, and have friends and to talk about You need to do that. That's healthy, all right, in a healthy situation. But sometimes we constantly talk and we tell everybody the problems and God's saying, be still. I want you to listen to me and I want you to take in the word of God and I want you to receive the word of God to bring freedom in your life. And that wall will come down, but we got to do it my way. Then there's a time to shout and to praise God and to dance and go in because you got victory. Amen? But I think there's a lot more listening on our part 
that the Lord is trying to speak to us. And so once again, the whole situation was absurd, but the walls collapsed. And in seven days, and I just think about that in the same way, through our faithful obedience to God's commands, strongholds can come down in our life. Can you say amen? And so very quickly, 2 Corinthians uh, 10.5 talks about casting down imaginations, which we're talking about. And I just wrote this down, that casting down imaginations is the first major key for spiritual victory in our life. And the devil, he wants to use our imagination to what? To birth sin, to magnify fear. And uh, what happens is that's fertile ground. Strongholds are best built within a corrupted imagination. Now I have a vivid imagination of many things. And people laugh. They think, how did you think about that? And some people think, that's crazy. Because they don't maybe have a vivid imagination. But the enemy wants to distort that. He wants to twist that. He wants to come in and bind you and corrupt your thinking. And God knows that we can wander into the stormy sea of vain imaginations. But he has provided a way in his word that he can calm every storm in our life. Can you say amen? And so... um, Here's the thing, let me just say this. Pulling down these strongholds, these negative thoughts, is something you have to do. I'm going to let that set in. It's not something your spouse can do for you. They can help you. They can pray. A brother, a sister, a family member. We're not talking about that. But in, in, the, in the long run, in the end, it is something you have to do. You have to get in and around to it, and you have to say, I need to take responsibility for this in my life. I have to do this. I want that to sink in. And there's many times in my life things that I've had to come to the place saying, you know what? A thousand times I came around this same circle. Here I am again. And it, the, when I respond in a certain way, come on somebody, it always produces something negative. Am I speaking to anybody? I may, maybe this is a little too deep, but I think it's kind of simple, ABC. And, and, and so I need to think differently about this. I need my thoughts changed. I need to think heavenly. Come on now. I need to think differently about this. And friends, it has, that has been a lifelong process for me in certain areas in my life. But there is freedom. There is freedom. And I think about pulling down the negative thoughts. It's like replacing, updating old pictures of maybe loved ones that you have for new ones. Only you can do that, right? (laughs) Only you can do that when you want to do that. You think, you know what? Let's update this photo. That is your choice. So the question I have is how often do you pull those thoughts down? Well, every time you have one. Every time you have one. Once again, God is not going to take those thoughts captive for you. You have to do that. You say, well, how do you do that? How do you pull them down? You inquire, you investigate, uh, you discern. This is why it's so important to have the Word of God in your life. And I think about it, how the Bible talks about in Corinthians about taking charge of our thoughts, and it says this. This is how I simply do it. If a thought, you know, the Bible says, let me just put you all at ease. Jesus was tempted in all points, but without sin. Now, I want you to think about all points. Every vile thing, Jesus was tempted, but he didn't give in to it. And, and, and it says in Philippians that he laid aside his, even though he was Christ and he was deity, he laid aside. 
So in other words, the glory that he had in heaven, all of those, there was a worship that coming down to earth, it was some things he, it's called the kenosis theory in, in theology. He laid that aside and he operated not so much as the son of God, even though he was God in the flesh, he operated as how he said, I want you to operate today through my word. So everything he did, even though he didn't have a sin nature, everything he did, he operated through the word. Satan attacked him, right? And he said, it is written, same thing we have today. He didn't just go, i just take authority and bring in 10,000 angels and bind the devil up, see the power manifesting all my power on earth. No, he did it according to the word of God, which we have today. Somebody say amen. amen. So you have that. I'm almost done. You have that. Um, <clears throat> where did I end up? I just had a point. So pulling down, pulling down. So we are to investigate, we are to discern. And the scripture says, so in, in, in a situation with that, if some thought or something rogue happens, temptation is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. Every single one of us are tempted. It's giving in to that. Okay? I don't know where that threshold is for you, but I know so you have your dwelling, dwelling on certain things. So that's why we have to cast down. So what I say is this, as I use that scripture, I cast down imaginations, or I use the scripture in Corinthians that says this, think on these things that are pure, that are just. Come on, somebody, that are lovely. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, I think on those things. I'm trying to be honest with you. I'm not just trying to tell you information so you just have, you are wowed about what I'm saying. No, I want us to walk in freedom. And so a lot of times too, I think some people, we get, we get very frustrated because we just got to, all right, I got to take charge of that thought. I got to cast that down. You know what? If we think of the beauty and the victory that Jesus has won for us, that he overcame, we can think on those thoughts, all right? And not always have to feel like we're in this war, in this battle. But the enemy, he comes in and our flesh there's no good thing in our flesh. So we just say, you know what? I cast that down. I take charge of that thought. I cast that down in Jesus' name. I cast that down. <clears throat> and, and I think on those things that are lovely, that are pure, that are virtuous. Can I get an amen? So, <clears throat> uh, so imaginations. Um, you know, I, I just had a little note here that thought. Like, you, you know when, when you're dealing with something that's not really settled, uh, <clears throat> You may have a past anger situation or a person comes up in your life and you thought about it and, and it torques you. <laughs> so you're driving and you're, come on now, you're, you're tense. Your foot is further on. The, next thing you know, sometimes my wife, then she'll just put her hand on my leg and it's like, it's a 20-mile zone and you're doing 45. You know, what are you thinking about? <laughs> you know, come on. Cast that down. You got to stop. It's like involuntary. And, and you're rehashing, you know, they did this, they did that, they said that, how could they, that? I cast that, and here's what I do. I forgive you, I release you. And she, I, I bless you. I've driven by a certain places at times, I know, this is pastor, uh, forgive me. But I say, I forgive you. <laughs> you don't think pastors get hurt? I forgive you. <laughs> and probably many people have driven by my house a lot. I forgive you, I forgive you. <laughs> I recognize that. I see a lot of people honk horns. Yep, they, I forgive you too. <laughs> and I love you <laughs> in Christ. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 10, 6. Very interesting verse. Almost done. And having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What does that mean? To revenge disobedience means stopping the carnal imaginations that are 
non-compliant to the word of God. I want you to notice, it says, the word tells us, or tells us to be ready to cast them down through what? We cast down the imaginations through obedience. When we obey, and we just say, you know what, no, I'm not gonna operate that, I'm gonna obey, speak the word in that situation, have the Lord take charge, in this situation, allow the Spirit of God. So when I'm obedient, we revenge the disobedience. That's how it's turned around. That's one way. How many see that say amen? Because imaginations have no power over those that obey the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And so, so when we allow vain imaginations to Babylon, it's always going to conflict with God's Word. That's why it's important to know the Word and submit ourselves to the Word of God and not the imagination. Can you say amen? All right, in conclusion here, let me just give you a personal situation and then we'll pray. Uh, so I have a, a bent, and this is just me being transparent. I have a, a bent, some of you have known me, um, for being overly cautious. Um, I'm more situational awareness. I think I have been, could have been a great detective. <laughs> some of you know me. Or a lifetime in law enforcement, or really lifetime, uh, you know, in military career. Uh, incidentally, a friend of mine that was in the Marine Corps, we were corporals at the time in Okinawa, Japan, and um, he was a dark green Marine and, and uh, sharp young man. We were believers, and he was saying, you know, I want to stay in the military, and I thought about it. I said, no, I feel I have a ministry call, and, and uh, we were connected, and, and sure enough, a few years I found out he was the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. <laughs> I thought, man, if I would have stayed in. And, uh, but God had a different call, different call for my life, right? And so he had to obey what he had to do, and I had to obey what I had to do. But uh, we, we, we thought a lot alike, and there was a lot of uh, that, that, that kind of mindset. And uh, over, sometimes I can be uh, overly conscientious about situations, um, you know, sometimes to a fault, uh, there's a term in our family, not mine, but growing up, was I see bad things. Say, what do you mean by that? Someone's climbing on something. Oh, I see bad things. You're going to fall, break your leg on that tree. You, come on now. And so, so the things I had to be renewed. Now, so I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt said, do one thing every day that scares you. What? <laughs> what? Some of you go, Yeah. So we need to surround ourselves with people, my wife and I especially, that people that have a little bit more edginess and they're fun because, you know, like I'm not going to be doing climbing up dead tree limbs and, you know, because it's, wow, no. But I do bold and scary things. And my wife and I, we have traveled the, the nations and I do harrowing things to the kingdom of God and being in prisons and getting in crazy situations for the kingdom of God and traveling into nations that are hostile for the, for the kingdom of God. I mean, I hate heights. I despise heights. Now, I can get up on the roof here. It's about as high as I'm going to go. Uh, but I just I don't like heights. It's just a phobia. I'm not saying it's necessarily a stronghold. I don't, need to, I don't need to overcome that by jumping out of a plane with a parachute. I'm overcoming it. No. Now, if I had to go in and rescue somebody in some foreign nation and help some kids, I'm going to strap that parachute on. I'm going to jump because I have a purpose. So if I died in the purpose, but just doing it and dying, it makes no sense to me. Anyhow, but Kathleen did it and she survived. <laughs> Woo! Not me. What am I trying to say? Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, but, but I, 
I dislike uh, things that are not thought out excursions. And there are people that's like, hey, let's go do this. And I love that. That's great about them. But sometimes uh, I, I, it can exasperate me. And so I'll give you a situation as I conclude here. And this is just about how the enemy can just work in your life and paralyze you in, in areas where we really should be free, is what I'm trying to say. So I'll just be a little transparent. So at times we would go to Florida or whatever, and then we knew someone that was in Palm Desert, California, really nice area, kind of hot weather, deserty, and uh, just a real, real nice area near Palm Springs. And we stayed there. And so she found online a place where we could hike. It's called Seven Ladders in Palm Desert. But she, I said, where did you find this place? She said, well, it was on social media, but there's no place advertised in the state doesn't even have it recorded. That was a red flag. Okay? And uh, I said, okay. And so she said, I said, how far is it from here? It's about 45 miles. Which way? To the Mexican border. Okay? Okay. And um, I said, okay. So we started driving and seeing a lot of the plantation and, you know, the growing. And then, um, then, then the road went from asphalt to gravel. But that was not the worst of it. Then we kept driving for a few more miles, and the road went from gravel to loose sand. And the signs were saying, no maintenance road. Drive at your own risk. You're, you know, if you die, it's your own. I mean, it was like that. Where, and, and on top of that, I have a rental vehicle. And so I'm just thinking, I didn't put extra insurance. Come on, somebody. You know, I, did, I have my home insurance, and, you know, and I'm thinking... And so, and so then we pull into the area, and it's these high ravine walls, and you pull in, and I just think, oh, no, I see broken glass. I, I see a little stub sign, and it, it really doesn't say anything on it. It's just like, park here. No one around, and I am like panicking, panicking, and I thought, this is an impeccable criminal assault setting. <laughs> it's, it's just... This is where we die, you know. So I was, I'm telling you, I was totally panicked, unnerved. And uh, I'm just thinking, you know what? The car, the moment we walk away, and she's like, let's grab the water bottle, like a little, little water bottle. I was like, it's 100 plus degrees. And it, anyhow, <clears throat> and we're on the California-Mexican-U.S. border. And on top of that, I found out where we're at. It's right in the middle of the San Andreas Fault right in the middle. Like, if any tremor happens, we're the first to go down. Down, like 10,000 feet into the abyss. <laughs> like, and then the, then the rocks never find you. This is what's going on in my mind. I know some of you can relate. And I'm thinking, okay, where are the signs? She says, I think it's this way. You think it's this way? It's a three-hour hike. There are no, you know, state signs. You ever go to a state park and it's a nice little smoky bear? Nothing. Nothing. And we're the only car parked where the broken glass is. I, this, is all, this is all fact. This is all true. You can verify it with my wife. And so I am just not doing well inside. And she's like, well, let's go. And then the area to go, I said, where's the sign? We said, look around. There's no sign. But they put rocks in the ground because nobody could afford a sign, and they pointed it, this arrow, this way. And so 
I said, I am not doing this. I was so panicking. I said, I have enough water for about 15 minutes in this tree. Have you ever seen 127 hours? I mean, am I going to get stuck and have to saw off my leg with a butter knife, you know? Or I'm just thinking the worst, everything, you know? Or I climb up and there's a den of rattlesnakes. And I'm bit. I mean, it was horrible. It was horrible. Who shows up? About 12 women. <laughs> 12 women in a caravan show up, and they've got hats on, and they're like, hey, yeah. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, do you know where you're going? Oh, we've hiked this thing many times. Follow us. And I thought, <laughs> I said, okay. I followed the 12 women. And we went through it. They showed us where to go. And I was just thinking, we loved it after it was done. Stand with me if you would, please. We've hiked that hike three or four times after that. Bring the kids. I know exactly where to go. <laughs> what am I trying to say? <clears throat> we are not controlled by truth. We are controlled what we believe to be true. And strongholds, and, and God wants us to cast down imaginations, things that cripple us in our life. And those imaginations, from a spiritual standpoint, can cause us not to further on in the things of the Lord. There are many believers that are locked up in their house today because of fear, because of pain, because of a broken relationship. Am I speaking to anybody? Of something that happened in their past, and they are in a prison right now. A prison. That's why God says, I want you to take charge of that. I want your spirit to have ascendancy of your soul and affect your body. Here's the thing. We are called to freedom. Did you hear that? We are called to freedom, not bondage. And sometimes freedom in our lives takes, takes time. Sometimes things are immediate. Every head bowed, please, this morning. Right living is more about God's effective work in you than the strength of your personal willpower. I want you to think about that. That's why we stress leaning on the Holy Spirit here at Church for the Harvest. Why? Because the Holy Spirit empowers us. But the Holy Spirit doesn't take over your will. He will not force you to align your life, and your habits with His. So walking in the Spirit requires one actual choice at a time. Each godly choice becomes a foothold for good. And over time, the net effect is a stronghold of victory over the flesh. Victory over the flesh. Victory over the flesh. I just feel the Spirit of God is just releasing hope in people's minds and hearts. Some of you sense and feel that this is just who I am. I don't know if I'll ever be set free from this. That's a lie. That's a lie. Freedom, maybe just as the, the walls of Jericho, you feel like I'm just, I'm marching around it. I'm being still. I'm filling myself with the word. I'm stilling my soul but I'm obeying God. Keep walking. Keep marching. That day of victory will come. That wall will come down. And I don't believe it's some far away, decades away. 
God has freedom for each and every one of us. But we must do our part in casting down imaginations. You're here this morning as we conclude. He's a pastor. I, I've allowed fear. I feel like I'm just driven by my soul. And I don't truly have the assurance of salvation. The Bible says, these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. God wants you to know. So the first step for freedom over the strongholds and lies of the imaginations of the enemy is to be born again. Is to be born again. Is to have your spirit man or woman transformed. You have to do that. You have a choice. You're here this morning. Most all of you are probably believers, but I don't know everybody. He said, Pastor, I want that. I want to pray with you right now to receive the Lord. It's a simple prayer, but it's a very powerful prayer. Let's pray in unison. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I invite Jesus into my spirit. Save me. Transform me. In Jesus' name, amen.